This is the Walk the Walk podcast with me, Haley Morgan. Last month, beloved pastor Eugene Peterson died at 85. You might know of his name because he wrote the message, which has sold more than 20 million copies. I have at least a few of those copies on my own bookshelves, and I bet you might have one laying around too. Peterson began to write the message during his 29 years at Christ Our King Presbyterian in Bel Air, Maryland. He had noticed that his parishioners were not readers, and therefore they were not connecting with the Word of God. So he began a simple project. It wasn't originally planned for any sort of publication. He merely started taking scripture and paraphrasing it using words the people in his own pews used themselves. He wanted to bring the cadence of the way they spoke to the Word of God. He wanted them to be able to hear and imagine themselves in the text and being loved by God the way Adam and Jacob and Hagar and Mary and John were loved by God. Peterson said to Krista Tippett on the On Being podcast, the power of words when they're used well is multi-leveled. Most words have more than one meaning. And if you reduce words to just what you find in the newspaper, you've missed out on a whole chunk of human living. This is where a poet helps us. He trains our minds to hear stuff we didn't hear before. Now imagine the care it would take to read, dissect, pray, study, and paraphrase the entirety of the Bible like Peterson did, and to do it out of love for the people you're ministering to. Gosh. As a lover of words and their meanings like I am, this strikes me as such a deep and kind act of service. The father of one of my best friends spends his devotional practice going through the Bible chunk by chunk and putting it into his own words. He has notebooks full of it. He says he got to the point one day where he was kind of scan reading or speed reading maybe during his daily Bible reading. He felt like he wasn't ingesting the words so much as just flying past them. So one day he started just rephrasing what he'd just read, taking it from the page and putting it into his own vernacular. And he said it changed him. I'm fascinated by the way people interact with the Bible. How do we take what is written and make it part of us? In the same interview with Krista Tippett, Eugene Peterson let the listeners in on a practice of his that I have not been able to stop thinking about since. He says, For years, the first thing in the morning I have about an hour of quiet and coffee. Which, as a side note, doesn't that sound delightful? I would like my day every day to start out with an hour of daily quiet and daily coffee. But maybe that's reserved for after I don't have four kids needing me in the morning. Okay, back to Peterson's words. He says, He picked out seven psalms 
that I kind of thought covered the waterfront of what's going on, and I memorized them. I picked pretty long psalms, so I'd have to work at it. But on Sunday, I do Psalm 92, which is a psalm for the Sabbath. And then I go to Psalm 68, which is a collection of pieces of psalms from different kinds of settings. But when you read through the whole thing, and that's a pretty long psalm, you realize all these things kind of fit together if you're paying attention. They're not logically connected, but with an imagination, they start to fit together. That's what I mean. Psalm 18 is just full of metaphor. You're just overwhelmed by all the ways in which you can reimagine God working in your life. I do seven of those. I've been doing that for years. And isn't that something? This interview was conducted less than two years before the end of Peterson's life, and he was still talking about the way he meets God through the words of scripture every single day. I've been trying to dig around to find out what Psalms Peterson recites on Wednesday through Sunday. I've also been so tempted to pick my own, my own seven days of Psalms to memorize and recite. It feels like a tall order, but one worthy of a lifelong pursuit. In this episode, I speak with Jess Connolly. Jess is a church planter, an author, and a mom of four. She owns businesses and preaches to women all over. She's a powerhouse and she's as real as you get. The church she and her husband Nick planted is called Bright City Church in sunny Charleston, South Carolina. I'm just gonna let you listen in on us talking now. We're dear friends and this conversation just makes me smile because this is the stuff we actually talk about when we're just hanging out. I only hope you have someone like Jess in your life who you can run beside as you both follow God. I had a moment last week where um, I was just kind of done. I had done a lot of ministry. I'd done a lot of teaching, a lot of um, preaching and coaching, and I was just feeling very toasty. And um, I've just re-picked up the art of journaling, which I know a lot of people do, but I kind of like stopped journaling for a while. And um, I've realized that it just like a blank page gives me a lot of space to just say real words to God. Mm-hmm. And so um, I fight any temptation to write out like what feels like holy words and yeah. instead just say real words. So that morning I got up and um, had read in my Bible reading plan um had read something that led me back to reading about Hagar and Ishmael and, um, and that whole story Mm -hmm. of kind of, you know, God choosing Abraham and his offspring, but seeing Hagar and Ishmael and still, um, honoring them and building them. And, and that moment where Hagar in the desert calls God, the God who sees, Mm -hmm. um, and I just found myself journaling I don't feel like you see people. Hmm. And I just told God, I, um, I feel like I do better PR for you than you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And how I feel in this moment is that I tell everyone you see them and I'm really confused about whether or not you're seeing my people. Mm-hmm. 
um, I have these, I, it was really like profane words almost to the point, you know, where I'm mm-hmm. saying like, I think maybe I love people better than you do, mm-hmm. which I know in my head is not true, but this is truly how my heart feels in this moment. Like, where are you? Do you see my people? I have some friends who are hurting. Like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just sat there, I closed my journal I closed my Bible. And what I felt like God said was go on a walk. Um, and I don't know how else to describe that other than to say, um, it wasn't an audible voice, but in my spirit, like I felt like go on a walk, I got to go on a walk. Um, and so, you know, I think that to a lot of people that sounds legitimately nuts and I'm totally (laughs) fine with that. And, and to be totally real and honest that in the moment that feels very nuts to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm either like, well, I'm crazy or God's real Mm -hmm. one or the other. I'm not really sure. Um, and I went like, um, I got, I like walked out of my house and was like, I'm going to go on a walk. I had planned to go to the gym, but I was like, I'll, I'll listen to God and go on a walk. And I was about a block from my house and I felt like he said, go to your old house, Hmm. go to your old house. And I live about a mile from my old house. So I, and I haven't really ever walked there since we moved away from it. Um, but I was like, okay, maybe he wants me to, maybe he wants me to perceive like how he's worked in my life in the past. Maybe he wants me to like count, you know, whatever. But I just, I was also kind of like ill with him. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm gonna go to my old house. <laughs> okay, <laughs> God. Um, and about a block later, I, I just in my like spirit felt like he said, you're going to see your friend um, and told me the name of this friend I was going to see who there was really no reason I should see her. Like she works during the day. She's not like, you know, doesn't live like around there. And I was like about five blocks away from my old house and she rode by on her bike. It's crazy. And it was crazy. It was, and if that sounds crazy, I'm like, I think that's crazy. But I actually think that like the way God moves is crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And so she got off her bike and, um, we talked like really briefly, nothing ground, groundbreaking or earth shattering. Um, and she got back on her bike and I, I just felt that same, like actual, like sense from God that I felt like he was like, do you see, I, I saw her and I saw you and I wanted you to see each other. Hmm. Like I did that for you. I see you. Um, and all that being said, I think that there's this idea that reverence and like holiness and understanding God's holiness and understanding the mystery of him means that we, we will be less real. And I actually believe that the more real we are with God, the more real he gets with us. And I find that a lot of times when people are like, I've never heard from God like that, or I don't hear from God, or like, I've never had that. I'm like, do you feel the freedom to say very real things with him? Mm -hmm. Because historically the people in the Bible who you know, were had conversations with God said really like inappropriate and real things with him. Yeah. Hey, okay. So the people who say, I don't hear from God or I don't, I have not experienced that. Yeah. Can you, so another thing I'm trying to unpack is what does quiet time look like with the Lord? Like, what does that look like for you so that you've gotten to the place where when you hear go for a walk, or when you hear, um, you're going to see your friend where you don't shut immediately shut that down or where you don't dismiss it. Can you tell me about the way that you spend time with God and just what that looks like for you? 
Yeah. It is very like not quiet time for me. I will mm-hmm. say like the, the standard like candle Bible. Coffee. Right. We need a better word. Like <laughs> we need a better word. I mean, it's people a very say, loud time for me. yeah, people say like the secret place. And I'm like, but even that, like, yeah. okay, may, maybe yeah. we just need a new word. I don't know. But um, yeah. yeah, tell me like, about that. Physically the- how it looks for me is um, like maybe standing in my kitchen while my kids get their shoes and socks on and I'm like standing at the counter drinking coffee, reading my Bible reading plan for the day. So I try, I try to keep some like right totems in place that like give me structure. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading a Bible reading plan. I've been reading, I'm, I'm working through a chronological plan of the Bible and it's take, it's going to take me like at least two years, mm-hmm. but it's, it's something for me to go back to every day. And then I might read a book or I might read a devotional or I, I might supplement it. I might forget for a month, but I'm always kind of coming back to like, I'm trying to see this grand scope of mm-hmm. like what happens. Um, so it might look like that today. I literally took my Bible in my gym bag and before 15 minutes before I went to the gym, just sat in my car with my like feet on the dashboard and just read a little bit. Um, I, I like to spend some time like just reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to spend some time like actually talking to God. If I can physically talk out loud, I find that helps me to say real words even more. So if I'm in a space where I can literally get on my knees, I literally get on my knees. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a few reasons for that. Number one, it like makes me not fall asleep. (laughs) It reminds me, you know, like it reminds me that a place has been purchased for me in the throne room of grace. And so much of what I think keeps us from vibrant prayer lives is this, this, ability that we don't have the capacity to do it, Mm -hmm. that that's not who we are. That thing that says like, he doesn't talk to me like that. I don't hear from him like that. That's not how I am. Like all it means is you literally get on your knees. And then all of a sudden you're the girl who gets on her knees to pray. Mm -hmm. Um, so it like keeps me alert. It keeps me humble. And when I talk out loud, I just find, I say real things. Like I I don't fall asleep. I don't date. I don't doze off, but I also don't say like, Oh, thou long expected father, (laughs) you know, I'm like, I'm scared. Yeah. (laughs) I'm tired. Um, you're nice. Mm -hmm. Please help like real words. Mm -hmm. Um, so some, some like for me, just space to say real words to God. Um, and then I would say some genuine quietness, even if my like setting is loud to see what he wants to say back. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's in a like deep feeling in my inner subconscious. I was going to say, how do you perceive that? Yeah. I mean, so let's, let's break it down. When people say like, I heard from God, what I think is most often for me, it's like, I thought something. Yeah. I thought something. And if it lines up with scripture and it doesn't hurt anyone, I believe that everything good about me is Jesus. And so I'm going to call that the Holy spirit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if it, if it's, if it doesn't, if it, and that's why it's important that we know scripture, right? Yeah. Because that helps. So you're yeah. not hearing like start a war. Right. 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 <laughs> you know? Um, but I would say through other things too, like just noticing what's happening around me. I mean, let's say all the like cheesy things, like noticing patterns that we see in nature or mm-hmm. colors or, um, a lot of, a lot of times I feel like God talks to me through dreams and I just believe like he, he either has control over that or he doesn't. Yeah. So he's either letting me have these very imaginative, um, cognitive experiences while I sleep or he's not. Yeah. And I just, my, my view of God says that he's allowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, that's what I mean when I say I hear from God. Most often it's that I thought something that I, I believe is like a more uh, a more God-centered and God-filtered and God-powered thought than I would have on my own in my flesh. And so I'm like, oh, that's him. Yeah, yeah. You know? A hundred percent. Um. Okay, I love the way that you work this out in community, where you perceive kind of things for your community. You um, and your husband are in vocational ministry in Charleston. I love the way that you do community. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what that looks like for you and more than like what it looks like in the current state? Like I hang out with these people or I do this. Like how do you see the Lord using community in our lives and how, why is that important? Mm. Such a good question because it's like the, it's like the paradox, right? That we're, we're so needy of him. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like he's all we need. And at the same time, he's given us people to flesh this out with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's so interesting. We just, my, so my sister is also in vocational ministry. And on Sundays we get together with my family, um, with my parents and my sister and all our kids get together for Sunday lunch every Sunday. And so this Sunday I came in from church. I had actually filmed, um, like some Instagram stories leading church about, um, experiencing my own neediness at church and how God met me in the bathroom because this like sweet college girl prayed for me. And we sat down at lunch and my sister was like, I think I've learned this huge secret about ministry and it's that I can't need people. So in that one, in Interesting. Like one Sunday, <laughs> yes, where we had both been doing ministry, we had both seen this. And, and honestly, what she was saying was beautiful. She mm -hmm. was like, I was just realizing I needed to go into church, like really ready to pour out and really ready to serve. And, um, it was okay if no one noticed me or saw me, which I would agree with. Like, yeah. that's a really important, you know, thing yeah. to know. Like when, when Paul talks in first Corinthians where he says like, I didn't, I'm saved up to comfort you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, I think like both are important. So it's so interesting that like, right. We, why did he give us people? Yeah. <laughs> like, why did he give us community? Well, and sometimes um, like you could be tempted to see, to see that and go, have I been wrong? Did I right. perceive that wrongly? And right. how do you, how do you, I feel like you do that so well. And how, tell me more, just flesh that out yeah. for me. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, I think that here's, a, I think the thing about community is that I just, I know that God will give me all of himself. Like I know that he will not hold back, mm -hmm. but I believe that a lot of times he gives us more of himself or different like views of himself through people. Yeah. And so I want all of God that he's willing to give me. And that's what drives me to community. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's like a big move, right, towards like vulnerability and honesty and like being bare. And I think the the piece of that that we often miss is that that means like you are going to get hurt and you are going to be shifted mm -hmm. and that you are going to be wrong and that you like it. There's just so many like soul paper cuts that come with with like really showing up as our full selves mm -hmm. and giving that to people and letting them give it back to us. Mm -hmm. Um but it's the thing that keeps me going over and over again to people is that like, I just, I want all of God. And so I think he wants to give it to me through them and let, and let me see them and let me see it, like see what he's doing in their lives. And honestly, like, 
I I think like if, if we're just like putting down little stones of like why community is good and why I feel like it's important is Mm -hmm. that's a big one. Like I just need to see what God is doing in other people's lives for perspective. Yeah. You know, I need to be encouraged. I need to know like, okay, you might not be moving in that way in my life, but I'm so glad you're moving in that way in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you and I have talked about this before. Like, I need to see new people meeting Jesus. Right. Because if I don't, I start to think we're all nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But, you know? <laughs> yes. But when I see someone feel the relief of grace for the first time, I, I believe in it again. Mm-hmm. And when I hear someone, like, start to, like, unpack, like, what the gospel means for them, or the first time someone says to me, like, you mean God loves me? Mm-hmm. Like, no one's ever loved me? You mean I don't have to work for that love? Then I'm like, okay, yeah. This I this has gotten too, like, I've gotten too used to it. This is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, so that, that, like, massively inspires me and, and, and helps me just believe in him more. So... We talk a lot about calling people up and sort of calling people out. And that's a big part of community for me is that when I hear what the Lord's doing in somebody else's life, I'm like, right, okay, like, let's go. And it it reinvigorates me. It makes me excited again for like the thing that I know, you know? And what does... What does accountability, encouragement, things like that, how does that play out in your life, both in how you give it and how you receive it? Because I think sometimes accountability can be, like I've been in communities where you just like get a checklist and it's like, here, go through these things and like report back on how everybody's doing. Um, But I've also been in communities where we've been afraid to touch things with a 10-foot pole. So what's the benefit of it? What's the... What does that look like in your life? And obviously there's no one way, but yeah. It's funny. I mean, I don't, I can tell you like, you know, a current snapshot because (laughs) it's been so many different versions and I'm, I'm, I'm like still figuring it out. So I think we um, are right. Uh, it's funny. I was in a, um, I was at a coffee shop last week, like the most Christianese thing, you know, that could ever happen. It was 7 a.m. I was meeting a girl. Um, we were we were like coming there intentionally to like check in on her. Yes. Um, but her, we both kind of laughed at one point because the only people in coffee shops at 7 a.m. that early, like with their Bibles on the table crying are Christians. Yes. Um, and so there was like a, a, a table right behind us, uh, us of guys doing the same thing. We were just like, oh, man. Like we get out the so t-shirts and yeah. like start handing <laughs> yeah. out the promotional pens. Yes, we're all in the exactly. same club. Yes, we're here. Um, but real talk, I, w- I wasn't calling her out, but there was there's some there was some stuff she was struggling with that she had brought to my attention and that I was, that I was checking in on her about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was asking her a hard question. So I was saying like, I'd like really tell me what this looks like or what do you mean when you say that or. Um, and a couple of times she was like, I'm so glad you're calling me out. And I, you know, you know, like I, I wanted so bad to even just like let her keep going, but I couldn't even let her keep going. I had to say like, uh, okay, I'm going to interrupt you right here. I'm sorry. I'm being like very extra, but I'm not calling you out. There is a difference. Like, so to me, here's, here's what calling out looks like. It looks like saying, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you into this circle and you're going to be there by yourself. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the things you've done wrong or tell you the things you've done good. And we're going to give you like a score. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I know that you are not pro calling people out and I'm definitely not pro calling people out. Um, but what I kept saying to her over and over again is, and this is what I feel like the difference is, is that I was like, I need you to know I want God's best for you. Yeah. And you can basically, like all we can do in community is that you can tell me what you think that might be. And I can encourage you. I can impart courage and say, like, don't be scared to, to take God's best. Don't be scared to take steps towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime I shame you towards that or anytime I, like, scold you because you didn't reach out for that, like, none of those things are actually helpful, right? Like, we, mm-hmm. we even know cognitively, like, that doesn't help people learn. Right. Um, but if you say to me, like, this is what I think is God's best, then then you and I get to bear witness to that together. And, and that's where I think accountability comes in to just say, like, I heard you say that and I saw you say that. And and now I know that with you, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I think like that, that changes everything. If we could just ask each other, like, hey, tell me what you think God's best looks like in this situation. And then how can I like impart courage and and spur you on to do that, to make choices that agree with that, that mm-hmm. you can do that, you know? Um, but like always going back to like, I don't want a cleaned up version of you. I don't want a better version of you. I don't want an obedient version of you. I just want you to experience God's best for your life. Yeah. I think you have <clears throat> just a gift of belief and of believing well of God and believing bigly of God. And I think it propels you to believe that people can be impacted by God, obviously. But for me, that in our relationship has been the biggest motivator for me. And I think it's in Hebrews where it talks about spurring one another onto good works. Um, But for me, that has been such a catalyst of just having somebody beside me, behind me, that believes big God things with me. And I think bearing witness to what God is doing and even what God can do is really, it's a huge gift that we can give people. And I think sometimes we're scared to do that for people because we're scared of what happens if God doesn't show up or um, what happens if that person doesn't show up. So it seems as though God doesn't show up. Um, And at least that's true for me. but I think it's something that you do really well, and it's something I've learned from you, I think. So thanks for that. Well, it's very easy to take too far, which you've also been on the receiving end of. And so, like, I it's I, I, I finally have, like, learned, like, oh, what I like to do is impart courage. And what I mean, I mean, I, that's, like, what the word encouragement means. And all I want to do is say, like, oh, you can do this. You can yeah. do this. But if I don't watch my voice, it does sound like you should do this. And I've had to do it wrong enough to know that that's like the last thing I ever want to sound like. Well, <laughs> you, you know, you model um, a a willingness to do things wrong. How mm-hmm. do you have the courage to do that? And how can people learn to do that? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, failure has afforded me that ability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know how. Like, I don't know how to say like this is how you don't have to be scared of failure because usually failure just teaches you, teaches you that it's okay that you pick up again. Um, I mean, I know, I know everybody uses this phrase a lot, but I've like started just loving the idea of failing forward. Yeah. Um, 
and just like embracing, like, I don't, you know, I, I know you do too. I love to do the handstands and I love to do a headstands and you have to think a lot about to, to not be scared to do a headstand or a headstand, a handstand. You have to like think intentionally about where you're going to fall mm-hmm. when you fall. Cause you're going to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that a lot with failure. Like if you can go into everything, knowing number one, just kind of quitting, quitting the idea that doing it right is the goal. Like there's just nothing, there's nothing in the word of God that speaks to doing it all right. There's just Mm -hmm. nothing. There's not one verse about like, do it all right. There's verses about running far. There's verses about not quitting. There's verses about like staying true. Um, But there's not a single verse in the Bible that says like, make sure you do it all right or you don't win. Yeah. Um, And so I think number one, just quitting the idea that we have to do it right or that we should do it right or that we can do it right, that that's even an option for us. And then number two, I think it's just really powerful to always be thinking about where you, where you might fall. Mm -hmm. Um, like, okay, I, number one, I know my, I know my weaknesses and I know my capacity and what will I do if I do that wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, what will I do? So for example, it's so good that you even asked that because I can go back to that conversation I was just talking about in the middle of that conversation. I watched my friend's face, like get really overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. I watched her start to shut down Mm -hmm. and, I put my head on the table and like went totally silent for about 10 seconds. And I picked my head back up and I said, Hey, I love you. And I'm doing this wrong. Mm -hmm. And I said, I can like hear it in my voice right now. And I, I, um, I said, I prayed all morning to really like, to really be gentle and like, and not be overbearing. And I think I'm doing it wrong. And I just need to ask your forgiveness. I need you to know like why I seem so passionate and why I seem so worried, but I just need to say, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm doing it like really aggressively. And she was, she said, I forgive you. And, um, and then she like spent the rest of the day, like texting me all day. Like, I just want you to know you're not too much. I was like, I know, but I was in that moment. (laughs) Yeah. But most people, most people don't want to do that. And I think it's something that you've learned because you're rooted in your identity, but how, how might somebody even get to that point? Like what are questions that they could ask the Lord? What are things that they could ask of the Lord that would help them get to the point of just knowing like, I can even put my head down on the table and I can say, I, I'm doing this wrong. Like in real time, I'm doing this wrong. Um, I, yeah. I think a real question they could ask the Lord and themselves and maybe even their friends if they're like super bold is where am I defensive? Hmm. Like when you go home or when you go to bed at night or when you replay situations, usually where we're wrong is where we're the most defensive. Yeah. It's the place where we're like in our head justifying that we're right. Um, and, and I think that's like a good one. Like if you, if a lot of us, I know you and I are the same and a lot of women are like this and a lot, and some aren't. So a lot of us go home and we think about the 10 things that we did wrong or yeah. said wrong. Um, and to that person who already does that, I would just say like, which one of those do you maybe just need to apologize for? Don't be the girl that's always apologizing. But like, if you know, this is a, this is a thing that I'm doing a lot and I've never acknowledged that I'm not good at it. Here's mine that is like off the top, off the, off the top, always like the highest one is that I talk too much. Like I know I will leave dinner with five friends and I will know I dominated the conversation. I talk too much. I also know it's not rooted in selfishness. It's like a weird habit. It's, it's like, has, it's not connected at all to how much I love people, but not acknowledging it 
then is connected to not loving them. Hmm. So it took me like years of going home and feeling like, I feel like I talked too much. I feel like I talked too much, which would sometimes turn into, well, no one else was talking. Yeah. Well, nobody asked me any questions, you know, yeah. and then I'd get defensive. So I'd have to be like, okay, look, there's defensiveness because I'm, I think I'm wrong. And I have the, I have the capacity to, to either just say like, I'm sorry, I really am trying to work on that. Spoiler alert. I still super struggle with it. Yeah. Um, but like I have the opportunity to number one, like humbly ask God to help me get better and then apologize when I don't do it well. Um, and, but I would say, yeah, if you, if you don't already naturally feel that I would look for where you're defensive, that might be just one easy way, you know, to, yeah. to find it. That's good. Like, how do you even discern where the Lord is moving and kind of how to join with him in the work he's doing? Yeah. You know, what I find people talking a lot about when they talk about calling is like what they, what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and I think a great and I think a great and really wise place to start with calling is who, Mm -hmm. Um, like who do you feel called to? Because a lot of times the what changes based on the who. Um, so yeah, for our Monday night service, that's exactly what happened is, um, is that we have planted a church here almost five years ago and it's been great and it's been fun, but we noticed that there was this entire population of our city that was not getting reached in any capacity. Um, and so for us, that was, the people who work in the food and bev industry and Charleston is like a heavy tourist area, area, heavy travel area, food and bev. Like everyone works in food and bev basically. Like when you meet someone, you, you're really just finding out what like restaurant or tour company or hotel they work for. Um, if they live in downtown Charleston and they do not have Sundays off because our brunch culture is like huge. So it's what everybody does. It goes to brunch. So we realized, like, not only do we have a heart for the people who go to brunch every week, <laughs> but we really have a heart for the people who don't have a choice about whether or not they get to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Monday is the um, standard day off for full-time workers in Food and Bev. And so we said, like, we got to have a Monday night service for them. And so in that way, the who dictated the what we felt called to do. Yeah. Um, you and I have been talking a lot about women's ministry and my women's ministry um like the way the what we do for them has massively shifted. Um, but we've had to have a really firm eye on who actually needs to be ministered to who it is that like needs help right now. And so Mm -hmm. that changes. And I would say, you know, the same passion you and I have, like, um, I have a huge passion for women in their mid twenties to mid thirties, um, who need to believe that abundance is right where they're at. And so my, what, like what I actually feel called to do for them changes a lot based on what they need and what they're listening to. Um, in this season, it's writing books and podcasts and the, and Instagram. But if, if that changes my, what I feel called to do would, would probably shift as well. So good. Do you have any words or any phrases, any ideas that you have kind of had a hard time teasing through in the Christian walk or the Christian life? that, um, that you want to speak to? Yeah. Uh, so many. I mean, I have like really funny ones that I like can't, I just can't with anymore. <laughs> Love on. Yeah. It's like, I can't anymore. I'm like, what? Well, it's too much of a, like, 
me too culture that like we can't we can't be oh, saying love so on true anymore. yeah yeah it's yeah like right so it starts to get disturbing. weird right yeah um I don't think I say it anymore but if I do like massive permission to be like stop <laughs> um let me think let me think I, I'm with you about the secret place and the quiet place um and I don't I actually don't hate it when people say that. No. Yeah. I I, I just I I, this is why I'm so excited about your podcast because I want them to say what that looks like. Right. Yeah. I I want them to say that. I think there's uh, some difficulty when we at least in the American church because we're so individualistic and we're so and especially where I live in the Midwest we're very like family oriented like in our nuclear families and it gets cold so you drive in your garage you put your garage door and you may never talk to your neighbors I mean these are all just default things if you're not actively trying to push against that tide and I think a problem that can come with that is that we start using the same words they start losing much meaning and maybe we all wonder like if we're even talking about the same thing or what that even looks like. And it can become easy to just say a, a phrase that our culture has given meaning and not actually have to unpack it and not actually have to. And in a lot of ways, I think it can keep us from actually having to live it. I think mm-hmm. if we can, if we throw around these catchphrases, I think it, sometimes I think I can be guilty about thinking about God and not actually relating with God because yeah. I can get up in my head about things and I have to stop myself and realize like, right, I don't just like think about my kids and know that like our relationship is thriving. Like if I did that, they would not eat. They would not have clothes. Um, There would be some basics of the relationship that were really lacking no matter how much devotion I had to them or how much I loved them with my thoughts. And so I think there's some ways that we do that too where we can think that we are living a lot of things out when in reality we're just talking about a lot of things or thinking about a lot of things. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, right. Let's perfect. Um, what has been something that's really encouraged you? You're super perceptive on what is going on kind of around you in the people groups that you're with. What is one thing you're really encouraged about what the Lord is doing or either broadly or in the lives of kind of your community? I've, I'll, I'll, I'll name like three. I've Perfect. loved seeing my oldest son learn to worship. Hmm. Like watching him fall in love with the idea of worshiping has been really beautiful. And finding avenues for him to do that has been really sweet. That's beautiful. Um, and that's encouraged my heart. Um, I like seeing people change over a long time. And even if they don't acknowledge it, yeah. and I, there are a few people in my life that I am seeing um, just one in particular situation I'm thinking about of a person who um, had a really hard time with like a scarcity mentality and believing God was holding out on them. And I've seen like, I've seen them become this like overly generous person. Hmm. Like they've really just turned into like, I believe God is, is like very generous with me and I'm going to be very generous back. And that like, it calls me up to want to be generous. And I'm also like, man, I got to like hold a piece of your story yeah. that I watched that shift happen. I watched that change. Um, Love that. 
Yeah. And I would say I'm, I am really encouraged by what God's doing in our city with this Monday night service. Um, we, we had our first one last week and we had prayed for these different people groups. We had prayed for people in the food and beverage industry. We had prayed for people in the medical community who mm-hmm. also work on Sundays. Um, and we had prayed for like people who felt, um, you know, disenfranchised with the church and would never come on a Sunday morning. Right. And we saw all three of those people groups come. And that was really encouraging to me. Um, and on top of that, it was also the like most spirit filled and like really um, wild spiritual service that we've ever mm. had. And it was such a gift to me to remember that people who might not necessarily know about God don't need like a watered down version of God. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like if he's worth following, they got to see all of them. Yeah. And, and so we may as well start it that way because it's right. really hard. It's really hard to to give like a sanitized version and then say right. like, but also here's the whole thing. Yeah. Sanitized God is not worth going to church. No. You know what I'm saying? No. Like gentle Jesus is like this, like the like false, like strangely like political picture that we have of him sometimes is just yeah. not like a really good friend. Yeah. Um, but, but like real unfiltered, raw, like powerful God who can do anything he wants is like worth coming out for. And so um, it was, it was just interesting to see those people groups who don't like interact with God on the usual, like feel really like blessed by that service. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine that, I mean, I don't, I don't live in a touristy area, but I have not heard of a Monday night service like that. Just I've heard of like Wednesday night prayer nights and things like that. But I mean, it feels like a, I mean, if church day is normally Sunday, like Monday feels like a breather a lot of times for church people. And so it feels like an extravagant gift to me, like from the outside looking in, it feels like you're you're laying yourself out for these people. And that has to be something that is moving for them. And just in a way where when you're seen for maybe the first time by the church, like that's moving. Yeah. And you know, what was interesting, I think for us about it too, is that we were saying, um, you know, on Sunday morning, like there's a little bit of of an ability to be like, I'm okay. We're okay. Everything's good. Got my kids here. But you know how you feel on Monday at five (laughs) o'clock, like done. You're like, I'm not enough. This life is awful. I've made bad decisions. Like I don't know who I am anymore. (laughs) Right. And it's only Monday night. And it's only Monday night. And so we're like, when, oh man, when else would you want to go to church? Like right then, you know? Um, so I think that led to a little bit of the, of the, like desperation too. Well, I, um, you know, I love you and I love watching the way that you follow the Lord. And I think it gives me a lot of permission to follow the Lord in a wild and abundant and free kind of way. So I know that, um, I know that that is something that if we can give voice to a bigger vision of God and a bigger vision of, Um, kind of a diversity of voices. And like you said, like in community, we see, we see more of God. And I feel like that's what I have been able to kind of gain just from our friendship. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the way that you obey and the way that you 
continue to um, serve and put yourself out there, even when you're tired, even when you come up against opposition. And I know that it blesses so many women and both in your actual community and the people who won't really get to know you, which I'm sad for them for, but that they will get to, to know your words and they will get, I mean, even like in wild and free, when you talk about your, like a dream sequence that you have, even that was so beautiful for me. Cause I'm like, I don't ever remember my dreams. Like I, what, this is a foreign concept to me, but it's gives me such a bigger idea of God. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the way that you, um, you put that out there and that you are honest and that you are just real in your faith and you're willing to bring your actual self. So I'm grateful for that. I love you, friend. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. I hope everybody subscribes and keeps listening. <laughs> I know. I need to remember. I need to remember all those podcasty things I'm supposed to say. Like, don't forget to subscribe. Yeah. Leave a review. <laughs> do all the things. They will. I They're going to know. They're going to remember. It. So that's it. Go follow Jess at Jess A. Connolly if you want more of that wisdom, that depth, and that perspective. If you could do me a favor and subscribe to Walk the Walk, I'd be so, so thankful. And if I got to see you in real life, I would bring you your favorite treat as a thank you. That's my love language. Not so much gifts as little tiny treats. (laughs) Next episode, I get to talk with Edie Hepworth, big dreamer, god chaser, and adoptive mom. You're going to want to listen in, so until next time, I will see you soon.